Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. You're very welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan, back in Ireland in the bitter cold. Properly cold now. Sonia has chosen not to come back to Ireland for Christmas. Wisely, Sonia. You're down in Australia. I my The image I have is of shorts, t-shirts and... Uh, those little sandals. Uh, are, are you at that point yet, or is it is it a little bit Melbourne murky? Well, that was very appropriate yesterday for the shorts and t-shirts and yeah, sandals. And I still have them on today, but I haven't gone outside yet because yeah, it's um, twelve degrees out, which I'm sure you would probably feel that's a bit bammy. But when you're <laughs> expecting it to be, you know, closer to thirty. <laughs> I can feel a bit cold. <laughs> and did you leave all the stuff in in Oregon? Like, is is everything? Do you have Do you have a full wardrobe there that's waiting for you? Do you basically have to travel to Australia with a handbag? At this, point? I wish I, I wish I could because that was my biggest problem the other day was waiting for my bag, and I've I could very easily do that, and I should do it. But you know, when it's Christmas time, you end up bringing gifts with you and. You always, there's always things you want to bring with you. But I also had to do a weird packing job whereby I'm going straight from here to our training camp in Phoenix, Arizona. So I had to bring stuff for that as well. So a whole half of my suitcase, I'm not even going to unpack. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, just top that up on my departure from here. It's always difficult to pack. I hate it. And I suppose the thing is with Australia is that you don't need that much clothes here. So you could very easily come with not yeah. very much yeah. and, no, and well, get away with it. Christmas is all about uniting people, returning and getting people together. Later on, we will talk to Ailish McSweeney from the Sanctuary Runners and the Christmas quest that they have. They are the kings of bringing people together in Irish running these days. The last four years, what Sanctuary Runners has done for asylum seekers, refugees uh, and, of course, just migrants. Uh, it's been it's been truly extraordinary. Sonia, you must have had the most amazing return and reunification with your dog, your beloved Winnie. Does the dog lose its mind when you uh, walk in the door? And yes, she was. She was going a bit mad. Or she had a good five minutes of um, going mad. But then she, it's amazing. Then it's all normal. It's like you, <laughs> I guess this is It's like you've been there, there yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's, very, it's very interesting. So um, she didn't want to go out early this morning either because it's too cold out there. She looked out and said, no. So I said, I will take her after I do the podcast here. And um, that'll be, I, I need it today. You need someone. I need something to get me out the door okay good well we're happy to be happy to be that thing i know that you probably had a late night watching this extraordinary performance by the irish team who will return from the european cross-country championships with five medals the women's team led this record haul in italy with a brilliant bronze let's talk about that first sonia that bronze out of nowhere when you consider they were Missing Kira McGinn and Ailish Flanagan was a late replacement. It was just an extraordinary achievement. It was. I think that was probably the biggest surprise 
of the European cross country. And it's amazing when you sometimes go to these European cross country championships, especially, and there can be a level of expectation on getting medals. And particularly last year, I think when it was in Dublin, mm. um, and then to go there. And I think from what I hear, the, the, the travel was pretty tough for the athletes getting there. A lot of them didn't get there until like the early hours of the morning on Friday, I think. Um, I didn't you know there was something about a, maybe planes were cancelled or there was a lot oh. of hanging around anyway and disruption to the travel. So, you know, for the athletes who were managed to overcome that and put it aside, um, you know, it's credit to them for doing that. But I also think the course in Turin, it looked pretty tough. Like it yeah, looked it was like very fun strange, going. wasn't it? It looked really good fun running through the building and everything. And yeah. that nice downhill run into the finish, which was probably not a nice downhill run because people seemed to struggle with it. Like there was some divots and stuff in the ground and you could lose your footing, lose your momentum. So it was definitely an energy sapping course. Um, and, you know, I was watching it late here last night and I was going mad. Like at one point I was thinking, why didn't I just go to Ireland via, to Australia via Ireland because the internet was not working very oh, well. really? I was not getting the video and then all of a sudden it kicked in and it was, I think we started watching it about maybe 8.30 in the evening and it was great. It was prime time viewing then. Yeah, I mean it was very kept exciting. Me away. Has, has to be said. It, it was, was great. There was a lot of roars let in the Regan house uh, and I was letting a roar for Coco as well who came home and won the gold for Germany. In the team, that is in amazing. I mean, yeah. Coco, she finished second herself, but, you know, she gave herself every chance to, you know, try and win the race. And I think overcome by just a stronger cross-country runner in the end, um, it didn't look like the course was to her liking at all. Um, even when she came out at the start with her long sleeves on and a little neck scarf around her, <laughs> it must have been pretty cold there. You thought that course wouldn't be her friend, even with all of the training up in Kenya? Well, she'd been in South Africa recently and she was running on some very nice grass fields. And from what I'd heard back, the, the footing and the like surface of the course, it wasn't very smooth. It was a bit, you know, like kind of divots in it and grooves. And it was definitely a true cross-country course. Mm. And the hills as well. I think the thing that did help her was it didn't look like it was very windy. And I think that was the problem last year in Dublin was the wind was a bit of an issue. I mean, her strength and endurance and, you know, ability was all there. Um, but cross country is one of those things where, they, you know, you can't always predict the winners unless your name is Jakob Inge Ritzen. Um, <laughs> he is, he even, is something else. Even he, I mean, even there was, you know, people didn't let him have it all in his own way. They, you know, there was a few people really put in a bit of an effort and tried to challenge him, tried to test him. Um, but he still overcame them all in the end and won quite easily. Mm. Well, if you want a bit more Jacob chat, we had Carl Dennehy on the Irishman Running Abroad. A little bonus pod for the proud supporters of our podcast over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Maybe think about signing up this Christmas when you're on those long walks in the freezing cold. There's ample extra material every single week. You get a double size episode with Sonia, double size episode with Marion and of course hundreds and hundreds of interviews with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived over the last nine years. Let's get to our topic though for today, Sonia. I'm 
properly back. I feel like I'm back back from this injury uh, with thanks to Vinnie Mulvey Fitness and yourself. Ran 10K in the Phoenix Park and now putting together little training plan, modest training plan. And it did occur to me, you know, I'm sure you've had this. When you come back from an injury, you go, right, I'm going to I'm going to do it all different now. I'll, I'll not make the mistakes I've made in the past. So that's what brought this topic to mind. The most overlooked items when putting together a training plan. I text you the topic. I'm just interested to know what was the first one that popped into your head that you think is the most overlooked aspect of a quality training plan? I think the first thing that popped into my head was not sticking to the plan. So people get a plan, but then they kind of, they want to do their version of the plan. Right. So (laughs) discipline. You know, before they even start, they're kind of veering off and doing a little bit extra or, yeah, just kind of not fully committing to the plan. They're they're using it as a bit of a guide. Yeah. Um, So that when they need something to fall back on. Well, then... If you're not following a plan, it's like if you get something in Ikea and you try to build it and then you kind of think, I know how to do this. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> you're you describing leave. everything I've built from Ikea. <laughs> Who needs the instructions? And you stop reading. You stop taking the steps, you know, and you skip a few steps and then you realize that you put something in the wrong way or there's a few screws and bolts left over and you think, mm, where are they now supposed to go? Mm. So I think... There's always going to be some shortcomings if you try to, you know, skip over a few things or, you know, you might go through a week or so and say, I don't really need to do that warm up exercises or the strides before the um, session. Or, you know, I might not even warm up. I'm just going to turn up and jump straight into the session. You know, little things like that, just trying to cut corners and thinking that you only need to do the specific things but Mm. it's all the little the easier things that are the things that kind of gel the whole program together now be honest are you describing what i did (laughs) to get myself injured (laughs) (laughs) Uh, not without i mean not not on purpose no (laughs) maybe 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 that's that's what you're thinking now you're kind of thinking this is exactly what i do (laughs) It's exactly but. what I did. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is it is true that like you do, there's a hubris, there's a confidence that comes back into you when you're no longer feeling the pain you were feeling. And you raised a few weeks ago that there's a chance that another pain will present itself. Now that the old pain is gone, there's another one to think about. And when I say, oh, I'm going to do it so much better is that aside to this that I'm preparing not to overlook that that care and attention for what appears to be a niggle uh, that you can just address through the small exercises that you've been uh, telling us about in previous weeks? Yeah, well, I think, you know, if you kind of stick to what works and not get bored with it. And that's the thing is we get bored with doing the little things and then we want to do the more exciting, the fun things. And then we somehow forget about the little things that got us back. So I think you always have to stick to the basics and then you can add on all the extra little bits. But if you always think you've got to be doing new things and adding on more all the time and forgetting about the basics, then I think that's when things start to fall apart. So you get away with it for a while. 
Um, but then eventually you will start losing the kind of gradual build-up and you're skipping things. So I think you need to, I suppose the, the key is to write things down and to, so it's written down, the plan, but then you have to write things down as you do it. And then you will be able to see what you're missing and if you're mm. skipping things. And, and the thing is, you have to somehow manage it so that it all fits into your time, it fits into your day, you know, so even if you have to do a little bit of things, not all of it is better than not doing it at all. Mm. So I think you have to have all these little boxes that you have to tick to make sure that you're on top of everything. And then mm. once you're ticking all those boxes, then you can be confident that you're not going to start falling apart. And losing the plot. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Sonia. I do dip in and out of your fantastic autobiography. I have it on the phone. And whenever I'm preparing for the episode, I'll, you know, search a certain word in it. And one one word that came up, uh, I was like, sit-ups. How many sit-ups did Sonia do back in the day? It just occurred to me, (laughs) can I find this in this book? And sure enough, uh, when you're detailing in like, it's just the most incredible book. Like, I really do emphasize people. If you're a fan of this podcast, you got to get this book available everywhere. And the account you give of uh, Atlanta and post Atlanta is just some of the best sports writing I've ever read. But it's also just so heartbreaking uh, about the way you felt and how lonely you were at that time. And one of the things you mentioned was these people that were, you know, droning on with their theories of what happened. You say they weren't there in Bushy Park breaking their neck, trying to get under 40 for their lap. They weren't doing 800 sit-ups in front of the TV in the evening. <laughs> I was like, what? I honestly didn't think I would find the number. But 800, <laughs> was that the norm? Was that just a regular evening in the O'Sullivan well, House? Well, <laughs> it was always sit-ups and push-ups in front of the TV. Really? Um, the number was ca- probably calculated by different sets of them, you know, if you're watching the program and how many different ad breaks are in it, you know, so you'd have to do the sit-ups and push-ups when the ad breaks are on. <laughs> and tell me, were there other athletes trying to watch television at the same time? Or were they all doing the sit-ups and push-ups with you? <laughs> or were they like, Sonia, can you just stop? We're trying to watch Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> no, this would have been just on me, I think. <laughs> it's just you, okay. It's just... Uh, just me on my, it was me keeping myself entertained, you know, probably like feeling guilty for even sitting down watching television and thinking, oh, I should really be doing something here. Mm, yeah, there is that. Right? Filling but in the gaps. Was, but the, the, the abdominal work was a thing that I thought in that moment. It's definitely a thing that I've overlooked. I certainly don't think about my abs when I'm running or my core strength. Is that another thing that people just tend to go, ah? You know, that's for the real hardcore. Should we all be going, look, I've got to devote a certain amount of time to this center pillar of muscle that's going to hold me together when I'm out there? Yeah, I mean, I've done it myself. I think, you know, when you're not so focused on, you know, competing at the highest level, you think that you can discard all these little extras that you do. Hmm. And you realize that you still need them. And I think it becomes a thing 
it's kind of acceptable <clears throat> when it's when it's your job to be, you know, to be training every day. So you're putting in as much time as you can. You feel like you have to fill, you know, as much time in the day with things linked to your running as possible. So that then when you retire from that, you move on from, you know, that's your whole focus every day. You think, oh, I just need to go for a run now. Hmm. And that works for a while, but then eventually you realize that I'm actually better when I'm doing all the other things as well. And then it's how do I fit that into my day? Because now I'm got other things to focus on. Yeah. So I can't be setting aside all this time all the time. And I mean, some of that time may be just family time and, you know, time that you've given up in the past because it was part of what you do and it was accepted. Whereas now when you're just training for fun, for fitness, for health, you know, you're kind of squeezing in the bare minimum. Mm. So all these extras can kind of seem like, well, how do you have time for that? But I think, you know, you don't have to do 800. You could do 100 sit-ups. You can reduce it by, you know, divide it by eight. Do one-eighth <laughs> of what you used to do. Yeah, well, I'm not going to lie. I, I did watch the an episode of The Office the other night and I said, right, I'm going to see if I can do 200. If Sainer did 800, can I do two? And I did it. <laughs> I am absolutely paying <laughs> for it today. <laughs> it hurts to laugh right now. But uh, well, I'm I gonna... think it, yeah, I was in the gym the other day and um, I think it was Craig Engel. No, who was there? One of our guys was there. And as he was leaving the gym, he said, he came back in and he said, oh, I must do 10 push-ups. And I said, oh, 10 push-ups, I can do that with you. And um, I said, I said, 10 is not much. You should be doing about... I said, I do three sets of 30 if I do push-ups. He said, yeah, but are you doing them properly? <laughs> like, uh -oh. Well, they're hard enough, you know. <laughs> it's, it's as proper as I can do them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think, you know, there was a time when more was always better. I mean, mm. now people are fo focused a little bit more on the quality and it's all about, you know, the specific Form. core exercises. Yeah. But in a way, if you're doing just sit up some push-ups it's kind of a lot of it is done on kind of sheer determination and you know you're gonna it's a bit like we i have to tell you about my swimming story in a minute we had it we had <laughs> guts and determination you know i think is what we used to do a lot of stuff on when you were running hills you didn't really think about your form running up hills you know you just wanted to get there first Whereas I think now people tend to think a bit more about on the form and their, how they're actually doing stuff rather than just more is better and faster mm. is better. Talk to Char on 1850 715 815. For four years, Sanctuary Runners has been bringing people together in communities across Ireland, including and especially asylum seekers and refugees. The Sanctuary Runners enable Irish residents to run alongside and in solidarity with migrants, asylum seekers and refugees. Now, the fostering of friendship and positivity and respect that they bring while bringing this awareness to the migration system and let's face it, the many flaws within it. 
is something else. You probably know them from, at the very least, the number of their shirts that appear at every single part run you attend. Sanctuary Runners is, of course, a non-profit and a multi-award winning movement now. Uh, joining us today on the podcast is former Irish record holder over 100 metres, now lawyer, mother of two and chief publicity getter for Sanctuary Runners, Eilish McSweeney. Thank you so much for joining me and Sonia today. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. You've got something very special lined up. It isn't just the normal Sanctuary Runners amazing work that you're doing in the lead up to Christmas. Tell us about this virtual Christmas quest that you have for everyone. We have, yes, we have a really um, important mission to go on in the week before Christmas and we're really excited about taking it on. Um, And it's a a chance for everyone to be a Sanctuary Runner for the week. So Santa Claus has nearly finished making a, a magical pair of running shoes for a very important person. Uh, President Michael D. Higgins. But he's got to get to the Auris a little bit earlier than his normal delivery date. We've got to help him get them there by Christmas Eve. So who has Santa called upon? None other than Rashida Adelecki, as you know, an Irish sprint sensation. And she said, Santa, can't do this by myself. I got to pull a team together and who better than Sanctuary Runners. So that's our mission. It's a big one. So it's 5,600 and something kilometres to get from the North Pole to Oris and Uktuan. And so we're going to need a lot of bodies, a lot of runners and walkers to help us do it. Wow, Sonia, you wouldn't cover 5,600 kilometres back in the day in a year. But this is this is madness. <laughs> we can all look at our um, Stravas and see how much kilometres we've covered for the year and, you know, realise how many people we'll need and... I think we, we've got a good crew here. I think we, we can help out a lot here. with yeah, our um, nearly 2,000 members in our Strava group now, nearly. Uh, so, Ailish, what's the what do we do? We would, Do we go to sanctuaryrunners.ie and sign up? Is that the thing? Donate our miles each week? Exactly. That's what we're asking you to donate. Your miles, your kilometres and your smiles. Uh, so it's really easy to sign up. And uh, yeah, just head on to our website, sanctuaryrunners.ie. Um, and then you keep limber, keep warm and cosy until we kick off on the 17th. That's the date we think that we're going to be called upon uh, to get going. And we'll have nearly that week to get there on time. And then you can follow us on social media, Sanctuary Runners Ireland on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook um, to share your journey and to see everyone else. We'll be running with people from all over Ireland, from all our groups, people who join us occasionally and people who join us for that week. And we, we want to see everyone's journey there and, and put the story together. Elish, it is it is amazing. I know, Sonny, you're a big fan as well of Sanctuary Runners. It is extraordinary what you guys have done over the last four years. Were you there for the beginning of this or when did you get involved? I've got involved over the last year so. I've been in touch with Sanctuary Runners a lot over the last few years. Um, but this year I actually start working with Sanctuary Runners as their Ireland lead. So I'm so lucky to be able to do that. Mm. Um, and I've seen firsthand the work that Graham Clifford, the founder, has done. I've got to meet all our friends um, who live in direct provision. We have a lot of Ukrainian refugees joining us this year as well. And just seeing the friendships and the fun that are, you know, that blossom when we all come together and run shoulder to shoulder. Whenever we come together at events, you might have seen it at Cork City Marathon, at Dublin Marathon, and it'll be the same with this event. Uh, the kind of crack is even, you know, is even mightier than at the usual park run or at the weekly run. There's something extra social about about a big event or something that we're all 
going on together. Um, mm. So that's what we're expecting the week after next. Oh, Sonia, you know better than anyone for all your work you've done with Goal over the years, that just the way running in a weird way harnesses goodwill like nothing else. Uh, you've obviously met a bunch of these sanctuary runners. Even when we were in Tullamore, we bumped into the sanctuary runners down there. Uh, are, are you keeping tabs on this? Have you been keeping an eye on what sanctuary runners have been up to for the past four years? Yes, I kind of dip in and out of it every now and then because they're a group that, I mean, Graham Clifford is it unbelievable what he's done for the sanctuary runners, um, but a group that has, you know, so many ideas and things that can attract mm. the attention of people and want people to get involved. I know they've been training at the track in Cork and, and even some swimming during the summer. So there were, there were so many different things. And um, yeah, no, I need to align um, next time I'm home. It's always difficult, I find, when you move around a lot that you see all these things online and then the date can kind of pass you by because you're coming or going or yeah. missing out on things. So um, yeah, I think it's... Um, it's great to kind of keep tabs, keep track of the sanctuary runners and see what they're up to next because they're never short of activities. And it's just amazing, really, just to see so many people involved. And running is definitely one of those things that people, they kind of lose any inhibitions that they might have. Mm. And you just find that you can communicate and talk better with people when you're running and, and you learn more about people. Yeah, like that's exactly it, isn't it, Eilish? That the sanctuary runners that I've come into contact with, the asylum seekers, the migrants, the refugees that I've talked to as a result of this organisation, I never would have spoken to them had it not been for sanctuary runners. And as Sonia says, it's that conversation. It's actually, you know, helping them into the community in that way and making them feel like they matter and they're welcome and that regular folks want to talk to them. That's exactly it. It's like we always talk about our three values, solidarity, friendship, respect. And like they're just not just values. It's literally you turn up to run together and that's just what happens. You Mm. make friends, you show your respect and you have good fun along the way. And you're it's so true about the inhibitions falling away, isn't it? Mm. First of all, you have something to chat about straight away to someone. Um, because you're running alongside, maybe struggling to get there. We launched a group there the other week in Selbridge and as soon as um, the 5K finished, there's a few lads, you know, who might have lived in Selbridge all their lives and people who just moved into Selbridge Manor a few weeks ago, just having the crap and ribbing each other about, you know, being paces for each other and who had caught who on the line. And yeah, and the networks and connections you even make, you know, through sport are huge. Mm-hmm. You find out stuff you didn't would never have known maybe about your town or what's going on there. Um, so that's a huge part of it as well. That just yeah. happens naturally, I think, in all sport and same with same with sanctuary runners and same with running. Well, we have our task, Sonia. If you say you're having difficulty lining up, as many people and many of our listeners abroad will know, it's hard to you know quite line things up. Alicia set it up really clearly. 17th of December is when these kilometres need to be accumulated. Head on over, sign up, get involved. Alicia, I have to ask... Uh, you know, with your history of speed, <laughs> how fast can you run a park run, given how fast you used to be able to do 100 metres? Yeah, no one has asked me that question. So it's been, we've <laughs> been able to avoid that for a while now. <laughs> I could do it in about 27 minutes. 
And that I know not bad, not so fast, but I'm convinced I can get under 25 at some point when I start to do something in between Sunday to Friday. Well, uh, you're talking to to the right woman here. This is a woman who took me from 33 minutes for a park run to 1950. (laughs) So tune in, Sonia will give you the advice. That's actually our topic for today is what a training plan, a good training plan is missing, what tends to be overlooked. You have you devoted so much of your life to it. Did the grow fade or did sanctuary runners kind of bring you back to just the center of, well, there's just a glorious goodness in the center of this thing? Oh, it brought me right back to it. You're so right. They actually they are my running group now. I, I coach sprinting in my local club um, here in Scaries. But, you know, it's something that I do with the the younger kids. So it was not my running group in that sense. But now Sanctuary Runners is and I really look forward to it. And it brought me right back. And isn't it funny that you can be out of something for so many years and you're back in it straight away and you kind of remember, yeah, it's a completely different distance. But yeah, the grow, the love for it. And the reason you go out is because other people are there and expecting you and, and you want to see them. That's That's the big thing that stays consistent, I think. Absolutely. Well, Aileesh McSweeney, thank you for coming on and joining myself and Sonia here on the Irishman Running Abroad. I'll have all the links in the bio and in the info for this episode for everything you need. Get out there and become part of Sanctuary Runners for their Christmas quest. And we'll get these shoes to Michael D. Higgins. Aileesh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you both. Talk to Jar on 1850 715 815. To hear the second part of this episode, find us on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad today. Irishman Running Abroad is an Irishman Abroad podcast. Editing, research, and production by Jarlath Regan. Come and see Jarlath in person at Liberty Hall in Dublin on January 7th. Jarzilla is Jar's brand new stand up show about life, running, and everything else in between. Tickets are available now from Ticketmaster.io. <laughs>